Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Purpose Podcast. My name is Haas Rauscher. The goal of this podcast is to help men find and fulfill their purpose. I'm going to help them be good, strong leaders, good, strong men, good male role models in their communities. I'm going to do that by having conversations. I'm going to invite guests on. I'm going to ask our guests, what is your purpose? What do you think your purpose ought to be? How did you find that purpose? And what do you do every single day? How do you get up, get after it, and go and fulfill that purpose? And eventually, I'm going to get a different intro for the One Flesh podcast because I hate the fact that I have to say the standard intro for it. You are listening to a One Flesh episode right now. Um, we have one of our favorite guests for the One Flesh series, uh, repeat guest. Um, he's always awesome when he comes on, always one of the uh, most mentioned guests when I do have him on uh, as far as people talking to me about who they like to hear. Clint Walker, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Hoss. How about yourself? Doing very well. As as I always say, now that I've got you on the computer, I'm doing very well. So, uh, <laughs> Thanks, but man. uh, so Clint, um, we've we've heard your story a couple times. I do want you to restate your purpose, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, my my purpose. I think purpose is an evolving uh, thing, and I'm uh, old enough now that mine has evolved to uh, teaching. I love to. Uh, teach not only my kids but uh, mentor uh, employees or or people around me and and just all different facets so enjoy it a lot that's awesome teacher educator mentor um, I think that uh, the praise that I get after I have you on a podcast means that you serve that purpose really well so um, I always get a lot of people saying that uh, you're their favorite guest on the podcast there's people that still ask about the first one um, which is hard to believe but it was like months ago you know uh, oh that's cool so. That's cool. Thank you. Um, so let's get into it. This, this one's going to be a little bit more to the point. Um, I don't want to waste your time. We've, we've heard, uh, certain things. I'm not going to ask you questions over and over again. The, the idea is that you come on here, um, you know, once a month to do some, some talking about one flesh and about marriage and, uh, help these guys, uh, develop a good marriage and and keep their wife around. Uh, and the topic that I kind of chose today, uh, is finances. Um, how do we discuss finances? And I believe that that needs to come from a, uh, well, now, now I don't want to offend you, a, a more experienced individual that has seen the ups and downs of, uh, of finances and has seen, you know, strategies, both short-term and long-term uh, play out because I sure as heck don't have that experience. Uh, none of my buddies that are in their twenties don't have that experience. So uh, money being what it is, I wanted to get somebody on that's, that's seen a lot of it. And you've talked about being broke. Uh, you've talked about having good success, uh, and you've talked about both of those things with your wife. So um, my first question is, um, it's a little bit of a, of a tricky one, in how good of financial standing do you need to have yourself before you approach um, dating and and trying to get married? Well, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I mean, honestly, I don't... I don't think that uh, finances should be a boundary that we put up um, to prevent us from, you know, meeting, meeting the, the one, right. You know, that, that person that uh, is a soulmate or however you want to look at it. Um, Do I think that a person should generally have their shit together before they get out and and start dating? Sure. Um, But you know, finances are a weird thing. Money's a weird thing. It's, you know, it's based in tears. Um, you know, at, at a certain level, when, in fact, when I was young, I, I can remember distinctly 
uh, I lived in Huntington Beach, uh, sleeping on a couch with, uh, uh, you know, several roommates and, and I not, they weren't sleeping on the couch. They had bedrooms. I was on the couch because <laughs> I was the poor one. And, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout, shout outs to Monica, Denise and, and, uh, Scott, uh, you know, I had, had a few roommates and, and, um, you know, they didn't stop me from dating. Um, even though I, I definitely wasn't where I wanted to be. Um, I can remember riding my beach cruiser, uh, down main street in Huntington beach. It was one of my favorite things to do after work. I, I was, uh, installing car audio equipment at the time. It was one of my first jobs out of the military. And, um, I would pick up a couple Mickey's uh, grenades and a couple Swisher sweets. And I'd head down to the Huntington beach pier and I'd rip some beers and smoke a cigar. And, you know, for me, man, I was rich. I mean, I had everything. I had a badass beach cruiser. I had a, you know, house that I could ride to the beach from, um, had a shelter over my head. And of course I had libations and in the, uh, Mickey's and Swishers right now. Um, as I matured, as I got older, I was like, well, man, that'd be kind of nice to have, but it was all based on what I saw around me. So Huntington beach, you know, is quite a juxtaposition between the, the, uh, the rich and the poor, let's say, um, you know, at that time you can imagine kind of a skate, uh, community, um, uh, a lot of UFC early, this is like before UFC existed, a lot of, a lot of guys, working out at the gym, whatever, and living out of their cars, basically. And then on the other hand, you had all these multi-million dollar homes uh, all around. And I remember riding past them sometimes and seeing people out there, you know, mowing their yard and kids and nice cars and stuff. And I go, man, it just seems so far away uh, to me. And and I I can remember distinctly just laying on the beach at times and just going, how am I going to get there? You know, like what, how, how do I get to that? Then it wasn't that I needed like a multi-million dollar home or whatever, but I just liked the idea of having a, a, a home of my own and a yard that I could maintain and mow and, and maybe a, a nicer car. You know, I, was, I, I, in fact, at the time I didn't have a car. I used to ride my bike uh, to work. And then, then I got a Mazda GLC, which stands for great little car when you got to live cheap. GLC. Anyway, uh, so, uh, you know, it's based on what your view is, right? And for some people, they could have been in my shoes at the time and and thought, I've got everything. I have everything I need. And I really admire uh, that point of view um, for the person that doesn't look at what the neighbor has and says, I need that, um, but looks at what they do have and said, this is enough for me. And, mm-hmm. and for me, I've always been programmed that it, it's, I won't say it's never enough, um, but I, I'm always continually trying to up my game, so to speak. And uh, with that has come, you know, jobs that support it. Uh, you know, my, my father, who is uh, about as minimalist as, as they come and frugal, um, I mean, he used to just say, geez, Clint, I, I, I can't, I don't know why. I'll give you an example. He said, I don't know why you bought this fancy entertainment center. I bought a, and it wasn't really fancy by my standards today. It was just an entertainment center to house my TV and a couple speakers. And 
I'm like, what do you mean? Why did I, why did I buy this? It looks nice. I, I like the way it feels. He goes, you could have had cinder blocks and a, and a couple two by fours and done the same thing, you know, right. <laughs> like, and, and so, you know, I told my dad, you know, that I felt that as long as I had these things that they were relatively expensive to do, I like the scuba dive. I like custom cars. I like, you know, car audio stuff and home audio stuff and whatnot. I said, maybe as long as I, I like to do those things, maybe I'll just, I'll live up to it. I'll, I'll find a means to support that. Mm-hmm. And cause those things brought me joy. It wasn't the money that brought me joy. It was those things that brought me joy. They just happened to cost money. Um, so it might be a long answer to, uh, to your opening question, but in general, that's, that's how I viewed, you know, finances and, and wealth and, and, and in that position, uh, you know, I, I wasn't really well off when I met my wife, um, and neither was she, in fact, um, we were, we were broke, (laughs) broke as a joke. So anyway, yeah. Yeah. And you know, some of that I do, I do like your note about, uh, what are we, what are we going to call it? Perspective, I guess, or relativity, uh, when it comes to finances. Um, and, and everybody's got a different relative, uh, point of view for what success looks like financially. Um, I think the question that, that the reason I asked the question is you hear a lot of guys say, I've got to get, I've got to get my stuff together. I've got to get my stuff together, you know, before they get married. And it's, it's valid to a certain extent. You know what I'm saying? You don't want to bring, uh, your wife into, um, a situation where you can't afford to feed her, um, yeah. let alone a kid. Uh, but also, you know, I, I try to stress to a lot of my buddies, uh, that some of that struggle, that financial struggle that you have, uh, with your wife or even your future wife, uh, that's what builds the relationship extremely well. Can you, can you tell me a little bit, give me a few experiences with financial struggle that maybe, um, helped build your, your relationship, your marriage. Um, and okay. you know, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, sure. So, uh, going back to, you know, where my wife and I started, we, I had gotten a job at this uh, publishing company it's called McMullen Argus publishing. And, uh, we published truck in mini truck in, uh, um, Sport Compact Car, Hot Rod Magazine. I mean, all all different types of uh, magazines, automotive magazines. And uh, my primary focus was mini truck and magazine. And then I wound up working on car audio and electronics. My wife worked at Auto Sound and Security. And even though they seem like big prestigious jobs, um, they didn't really all pay all that well. Um, and you know, you could tell the guys that had been there for quite a while. They were driving some really nice cars and. And, uh, you know, the young kids, um, because let's face it, I mean, a lot of people want that job would work for peanuts and, and we certainly did. And I think I was making about $24,000 a year at the time. And this is like 1995. Um, my wife so like had a 40 grand now. Sorry. Sorry. I just wanted to, yeah, I just wanted to give a reference. Yeah. Like 40 grand uh, now for, yeah, something like that. And my wife was making, uh, like $18,000 a year, even though she had a degree, (laughs) you know, uh, so that was, you know, corporate, pretty typical of corporate stuff at the time. Now we fast forward a few years 
and I was an editorial director. Uh, my wife and I were doing quite well. Um, but when we started, when we first started dating, we would take what we call ashtray change dates. And I think I might've mentioned that on one of uh, the first podcasts. And I mean, literally whatever we had in the ashtray, that's what we went out with. And I didn't have any credit cards. I didn't have a car payment or anything like that. Uh, my wife did. And, um, you know, she had some financial struggles as the result. Um, and uh, anyway, when we fast forward, now we're making really good money. Um, this is like 1999, let's say. So not too far long after. I think we were pulling down somewhere in the neighborhood of a quarter million dollars a year. Uh, in total oh, wow. between us. And um, it it was like, you know, it was life-changing. But, you know, here's the deal, man. When you go from, you know, where we started just a few years earlier to making that kind of money, you think it's always going to be there. And, uh, you know, the other thing is it's, it's relative. You just start buying more expensive shit, right? So my, you know, what, what used to suffice as a, as a wristwatch, you know, a, a, a Casio, uh, let's say I started with a shark or a, or a Timex or something then I upgraded to the G shock and now I'm making a quarter million dollars a year and I'm, I'm buying watches that are 10 and $15,000 a piece. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you, for me, I'm speaking for myself, you know, I, I, I spent it, I made it and I spent it and we spent a lot of it. Um, we had, I, honestly, we had like seven cars. Um, a lot of them were custom cars and whatnot, uh, had a brand new house. And, um, at, at some point the music stopped, uh, the income went away for both of us. This is right around, uh, nine 11. And, uh, here we are, you know, both out of work and, um, no income, and lots of bills because we had been stacking up stuff that we were buying. Now you'd be surprised, you know, you think you make a quarter million dollars, you're probably paying cash for a lot of things. And in all actuality, you know, we weren't. And uh, it was crushing. I have to tell you, uh, you know, I had cars repossessed. Um, uh, we short sold our house in, in Southern California. It was rough. And it was quite a lesson. So I can remember just staring at myself in the mirror one day and just going, what, what happened here? You know, like, this is, what did I do? Why did I do this? And I, I had put myself in that position. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, the, like I said, at the onset of the podcast, the smoke outside. <laughs> Guys, I'm in Northwest Montana, and there's a big fire burning in, in Alberta right now, so it's super smoky. I apologize. I'll, I'll probably cough a few times. but um, He's lying. They're just hotboxing Montana. That's what's going on. Yeah, that's what it is. He's yeah. lying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, it was a real struggle. And uh, my wife and I, you know, we've been married for one year. Now we're... I mean, you can imagine it's, it's such a roller coaster. You can imagine the, you know, if that was a graph, it would just be, you yeah. know, peaks and valleys. Right. Um, but we didn't panic. We didn't fight about it. There was no, why did you buy that? Why, you know, it just, it was a situation. We were just in that situation. Um, so we wound up selling 
every single thing that we owned uh, minus one vehicle. I kept one vehicle out of all of them, sold everything in my house, packed what we had left, some clothes and a couple odds and ends and, and moved out of our gated community, you know, in Tustin, California to a two bedroom apartment in Eugene, Oregon. Um, and, uh, you know, we did that cause we had to kind of bear down. Right. Um, yeah. at that point we knew, you know, the work, the publishing industry was changing. The dot-com thing was just starting to come on. Um, the types of jobs that I had, you know, as an editorial director weren't like, you know, all over the place. So we started our own publishing company as a result. So, uh, so I say this because on one hand, we, we made a huge mistake financially by um, buying all these things and spending the type of money we had. <coughs> um, but on the other hand, the situation that it put us in is, it, is what we resolved is what we created a resolution for, by starting our own business. And ultimately it was that business that, you know, I sold 11, 12 years ago. Um, and so it, it wound up being, you know, a, a good thing. We turned it into a good thing, I should say. Right. What were, uh, so I know you said, so I've got, I've got a few different ways to go here. I've been writing notes, by the way, if I'm looking down on the camera, I'm not playing on my phone. I promise I'm writing notes. No, that's okay. No problem. Um, <laughs> um, so I, you know, I put crushing double underline. Uh, one thing I did was lifestyle creep. Uh, that's a big thing that um, I'm trying to avoid currently. Of, of you know, when you said when you make more money, you spend more money, and then when you make more and you spend more, um, that's that's one thing. I don't know that we need to talk too much about it. You kind of gave us a good explanation of what it is, but that's one thing I wrote down. Uh, another thing is, I don't know how much it applies, but the, the opposite of what you were talking about, have you seen the movie fun with Dick and Jane? Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> I've lived it. I mean, my wife and I lived that. Okay. That's you funny. know, when they like, uh, he steals his neighbor's lawn. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we had like fixed up this house that we were in. And when, when shit really hit the fan, uh, I was digging, I, I dug, palm trees and some other shit out that we had bought at home depot and returned it to home depot <laughs> for cash i'm not shitting you and that's they gave so me cool. cash for it right that's so wild. yeah we definitely lived uh fun fun with dick and jane i didn't rob any banks um but i thought about it so <laughs> sorry that just popped in my head i was like that's, that's yeah uh, well and especially because you said the early 2000s isn't that when enron uh, I, yeah. I, I was, uh, you said 1999 was when that happened. Uh, that's a great year, by the way. Really loved that year. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I was like, cause you were, you were born then or something or what? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, I was born yeah. in 99, but, uh, <laughs> I don't want to take. um, so I do want to ask, you know, I know you said that you didn't, you didn't fight much, you know, I put here, no panic, no blame um you know what do you think because what i want to ask is you know what kind of fights did you have during that or what kind of arguments did you have but it sounds here like y'all handled it pretty cool what 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 set you up for that um for that cool handling the uh because it's not the norm you know financial issues a lot of people say financial issues are the number one uh reason that couples break up and that sounds like a pretty pretty big financial issue um so either 
A, give me a few circumstances where you did fight and you did argue and how did you solve it? Or B, uh, give me a few reasons why that didn't happen to you because it's not the norm. Uh, what did you do to make that happen? Sure. Well, of course it was stressful. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I liken it to, you know, having a pebble in your shoe, right? It, it's so annoying that no matter what you come across on the trail, you're going to, you're, you're going to react to it. Um, and so you're, you know, when, when you're under that kind of stress, um, you're suppressing something if, if you're not, uh, talking about it. And it's one of those things that's difficult to talk about because it all does is bring it down. Like, yeah. you know, you go through the budget and you're like, well, there's never any money. There's no end in sight. Um, there's nothing positive about this conversation and there's an edginess to it, uh, for certain, mm-hmm. um, you know, I am a very, uh, emotional person. I, I, I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I don't, I don't hold anything in. Um, I don't suppress uh, stuff very well. I try not to, in fact. And my wife, on the other hand, is just, uh, you know, her, nick- we, <clears throat> her nickname is Dory, uh, like in Finding Nemo, because mm-hmm. she just keeps swimming. You know, she she forgets literally what happened, you know, an hour ago or, the, you know, a day ago, whatever. And she's very easygoing. So we're exact opposites uh, in that way. And the reason that, honestly, the reason that we didn't fight is because she doesn't react the way, you know, a person, male or female, could react if I'm going, fuck, you know, we got no money. And you just went and bought a freaking $6 coffee. Are you kidding? You know, she's like, yeah, I bought a $6 coffee, but I wanted it. You know, there's an argument takes both sides. And Mm -hmm. That's one thing about our relationship is we just, you know, there's, there's never really been another side uh, to that. Um, in fact, the, the, the most upset I've ever been with my wife is because she's not getting upset about something that I'm upset about. Like, I'm like, come on, get upset. You know, I'm cranked up and you're not, what's the deal. Um, so, you know, the, the thing about it is um, when you're under that type of uh, pressure and finances are, you know, I would say probably one of the most common besides that, and you know, in-laws or, or, you know, having issues with the in-laws. Um, it's, it's important to keep in mind that, you know, ultimately you both got there right um, now. Mm-hmm. It depends, right? If, if you marry someone that brings in a bunch of college, you know, student loans, debt or credit card debt or whatever, um, that could be another form of it, but, um, it better be something that you would let go of at the onset of that relationship. In other words, you can't hang on to that because it's not fair. You've accepted it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you make that, you know, that bond, that marriage, that statement and say, you know, for better or for worse, well, that's one of the, for worse things. Okay. Uh, you've got to be able to let go of those things. And for us, because we never focused on it, we just focused on the future. We just focused on the road ahead and not Mm -hmm. the road behind us. And in a lot of cases, not so much the road we were on. Um, We just, you know, decided we need to get on a different path. That makes sense. And, you know, uh, something that kind of strikes me, it's a buzzword and, uh, 
all the kids will know what I'm talking about. Uh, but your wife seems to behave in more of kind of like a stoic fashion. Does that make sense? Which, yes, uh, yeah. Which yeah. I know is more attributed to to me. don't don't take that the wrong way. But um, I don't know if there's a wrong way to take it. But um, and more of that stoic, not not being reactive, but um, not necessarily letting her emotions swing and stuff like that. Is that a is that a decent way to put it? Yes. Yeah. Very much. Okay. And so, you know, I think the main takeaway from that is, is, um, you know, when, when you're facing pressure, kind of like you said, uh, it's important to have an urgency because that, that stoicism can, can quickly turn into apathy if you're not careful. Um, and maybe that's, maybe that's some of the things that you've struggled with, with your wife, you know, but, uh, try to walk that line between stoicism and, and, and apathy. Do you think that that's pretty a good way to say it, Clint, of, of, yeah, honestly, I think it takes understanding, right. Um, yeah. again, you, a person should be very cautious about, um, judging somebody or reevaluating a person simply because the circumstances have changed. Mm-hmm. Right. You, you fall in love with this person. This person falls in love with you. You accept each other for, uh, you know, each other's faults and, and the things that are great about each other. And just because something pops up and, you know, there's a challenge doesn't mean, okay, now I get to go back and reevaluate you. And now I hate you. Like that's yep. the worst uh, thing to do. Right. Um and another thing is, if you don't have a victim mindset, and that's key here, um, a victim mindset is always looking to to shift blame. It's not me. It's this person's fault. That's a yeah. victim mentality, right? And we're surrounded today by a victim mentality, right? You mm-hmm. can't watch the news without seeing victim mentality plaguing uh, you know, America and actually a lot of, a lot of places in the world. So don't have a victim mentality, understand that you put yourself exactly where you are. Um, and, and remind yourself of that. Okay. Remind yourself that I chose this path. I bought that thing. I financed that thing. I overspent on this or that. And that's, that's important. And then another thing, is at some point, forgive yourself for it, okay? Um, And because if you don't forgive yourself for it, um, then that is going to be, it's going to become part of your DNA, um, the guilt that you carry over the the, the course of time. So in your prayers and in your, you know, conversations with God, it's important to talk to yourself about the circumstance that, that you are in or were in or, or, or whatever, and uh, recognize, you know, that you're at fault and forgive yourself. Um, and then you can truly move on from that. Okay. Exactly. Now for speaking for myself, I sometimes go back to that place. Right. Um And I have to be very cautious of that and go, okay, let me pull myself back out. Uh, So I'm not just saying that, oh, you just had, I just had this ability to do that. Um, It, it, it takes some vigilance on, on your own behalf to, to monitor yourself. I like that a lot. Um, 
So I've got take ownership here. That's a that's a pretty big one. That was along the lines of of the no victim mindset. Um, you know, take ownership of the situation. We're not blaming. Uh, we're not blaming one another. So I do have an interesting question for you. Uh, I, I know you've. I think we've talked about Jordan Peterson a little bit. Uh, you've heard of Jordan Peterson, surely. Um, mm-hmm. And he t- he has an interesting, I guess, standard for uh, monitoring these things. And he says that. Uh, 90 minutes a week, I believe, preferably an hour 30 or uh, preferably uh, two 90 minute sessions a week of discussing the order of the house, kind of like what we talked about chaos and order last time. But um, finances need to probably be a significant portion of that. What do you think about um, the necessity to discuss finances uh, with your wife and um, regulating that because I, I think a lot of people also, because it is such a hard topic to discuss, especially when they are under pressure, uh, that they avoid it and they kind of get by. Um, and that, that was kind of where I was going with that. You, you've got the stoicism that we talked about, but there also needs to be like you, the, the sense of earn you know, the sense of urgency, somewhat of an emotional reaction that's going to get you off your ass and doing something about it. Um, do you think that having, you know, weekly discussions, what, what was y'all set up and how did you actually discuss those things to ensure that, Hey, we're both on the same page and we both have an urgency to fix this. Okay. Um, first of all, I like Jordan, Jordan Peterson a lot. Um, I just like the way he, I like his phraseology, I like the way he speaks. Um, and he's very, very insightful. Uh, I can promise you we've never spent 90 minutes <clears throat> discussing finances even in a month um so uh i missed that that part um now that's in part due to the fact that you know life is chaotic and especially when you add kids to that equation especially when they're teenagers which is where i'm at right now at the time that my wife and i went through all of that upset um i managed the finances at the time and you know it was relatively easy because there wasn't a lot of money so it was just basically picking and choosing you know what was going to be paid and and what wasn't um and then the other side of that too is okay you know when we got to a point we started making a a lot of money again uh after we're building our business it was where is that money going right that became a challenge Mm -hmm. um you can imagine we're we're living in a two-bedroom apartment in eugene oregon I think that we were paying ourselves about $800 a month. Our rent was three seventy-five, and I had a print bill because we, we started a publishing company. I had a print bill uh, once a month for about $30,000 and change. Okay. So we had a lot of money and then I had employees that I'm paying and we're paying ourselves a thousand bucks a month. So we were, you know, living on Mac and cheese and corn dogs and, uh, God bless Winco, uh, which was a grocery chain that was there. <laughs> it was uh-huh. cheap. Um, and on on the outside, you know, from the outside looking in, we had this successful publishing company people didn't realize. And then it became a matter of, okay, where do we invest uh, the money that's coming in? Do we invest it in the business? Uh, do we invest it in ourselves? In other words, is it okay to go out and buy something new that I might not need? you know, a, a cool t-shirt or a cool this or, you know, whatever, a skateboard. Um, and to that, I always say, yes, um, it's okay to do that. Um, but it was tough. You know, there was a balance. Uh, so 
then when we shifted gears, um, I guess it would be about 15 years ago, my wife started managing uh, the income and uh, straight up. And I think I said this in the first podcast that I did with you. I have not looked at a bank statement in 15 years. Um, And, and that doesn't mean that we haven't had some, you know, financial upsets because when you're in business uh, or you make investments into business, you're definitely going to have those. It just mean that I meant to, you know, shut that off. Um, I think I said this before. I'm I'm good at two things. I'm good at making large sums of money and spending it. Um, I'm not so good at the accounting side of it. Any successful business that I've had, I've always hired a very capable um, CFO, um, someone to, you know, to manage the finances to kind of, you know, look over that. It's not a skill set of mine, and to be honest, not really a skill set of my wife's. Um, the church became a good resource for, you know, how we could manage finances because a lot of churches will have finance courses. And then there's some really good stuff now online uh, that you can look at. Uh, but um, digging out of that hole, uh, did we scrape by the, you know, yeah, to some regard, but we did, we did take time to do things for ourselves. You know, we, we didn't eat out much, but we did eat out sometimes. Um, we didn't buy much, but we did buy some things that we didn't necessarily need. Uh, and it's okay to do that. It's okay to invest in yourself, to, to do something that feels good for you. Um, because otherwise it can become quite a burden, especially if it takes years to dig out of that hole. And for most people it does. Right. That makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I wrote that it's okay to invest for yourself. By the way, that's one of the, my favorite, uh, most relatable quotes that I've ever had on the podcast is when you talked about how you're ma- good at making large sums of money and good at spending large sums of money. Cause I, I personally identify with that statement. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, so let's talk a little bit about it. It sounds like maybe it was a necessity uh, for you or maybe um, maybe it took work. Let me know uh, the trust that you had to have in your wife to be able to manage finances. Was that something of just, I, I can't, fucking deal with this or was it a i'm going to give this to you because of a certain reason tell me a little bit about the dynamics behind that and what struggles there were if any um it's a great question so it it really became uh a matter of bandwidth okay uh my wife um in our business so we owned a publishing and marketing company she was always behind the scenes uh she's a copy editor by trade you know very very good with English grammar, spelling, all that good stuff. And I was always out in front. I'm always the face of the, you know, the editor of the magazine, the publisher, or, you know, the guy out in front of the business. And um, it, it takes a lot to be that person for me because quite honestly, I mean, you know, people might see my online, my social media persona and go, Oh, this guy's just, you know, a social butterfly. Um, But I'm really, I, I keep, to myself uh, quite a bit. Um, it takes a lot out of me to to be in a social setting, but when I'm in that social setting, I feel like I have to be the you know the life of the party, so to speak. Um, so it really became more uh, reset and balance of roles um, than anything. Uh, and in terms of trust, there has to be. I mean, first of all, 
you should be married to somebody if you don't trust them. And, mm-hmm. you know, to back up a little bit, we talk about finances. I mean, I know couples that to this day still have separate bank accounts. Um, that's just fucking stupid, uh, to be honest. <laughs> now, uh, I don't understand that shit. Now, after the business started thriving again, I, my wife and I had this ongoing you know, joke. I would tell people, you know, uh, the joke is that her money is her money and my money is our money. And, uh, you know, but the reality is it's all going to the same place. Um, my wife has never, not one time ever objected to any purchase that I've ever made. Okay. Even when times were really rough and I bought something that, you know, it's like, what, uh, she's never objected to it. Um, And likewise, I never objected if she went and bought anything either. Uh, But I am the consumer in the household. Uh, You know, for me, in terms of, you know, where we started, first of all, I told you I was poor growing up. um, And so I had that humble background, that humble beginning. and, And, you know, then went to, you know, see some financial highs to financial devastation. And I have a, a safe in my, in my uh, office that I, it was like an antique safe that I kind of rebuilt about 20 years ago, right on the back end of all this stuff. And inside that safe, there's a, a placard has a quote on it. Uh, the, the two greatest tests of man's character are wealth and poverty. And I have that in the safe. I still have the safe to this day. In fact, sitting right over here. And I have that placard in there because it's a reminder to me every single time that I open it. I've opened that safe when it was uh, full of cash and valuables. And I've opened that safe when there was absolutely nothing in it. Um, And it's important to have something that is a constant reminder of where you started. Okay. And, and then, you know, in your mind, because you know where you're going, right. Uh, Or generally you think you are, but it's always uh, a, a good idea to have that where I started. Now here's the deal where you started. Doesn't mean this is where I started as a kid where you started means what's the new low point of your journey. If you, you, reach another low point, that's your new beginning. That's your new starting point, okay? Uh, ground zero is always uh, the new the new uh, starting point. And where you go from there, because you can only go up, right? Uh, yep. Otherwise, if you uh, go out and you, uh, you know, make, you start with zero and you make $500 million and you lose it all, and then you start going back again. Do you? What's your new starting point? The, the point that I lost five hundred million, right? Yeah. That's arguably yeah. worse than I didn't. By the way, I didn't lose five hundred million. I don't want to give that impression. I don't have five hundred million to lose. Um, <laughs> uh, so anyway, it's uh, it's again, you know, you you have to have trust uh, between each other. You have to have trust in yourself. 
I mean, trust with yourself is also being honest with yourself in, you know, what your new zero is, what you did to get there, because it helps you recognize, you know, the things that you need to avoid to get out of it, I guess is, is what I'm saying ultimately. That makes a lot of sense, Clint. We're at about uh, 2.45. Is it cool if I take up these last 15 minutes? Are you cool with going the floor? Sure. Go awesome. for it, yeah. Um, so I wrote that down. The two greatest tests of a man's character are wealth and poverty. Is that the, the right quote? Um, yes. I, I enjoy that a lot. And, you know, even in, I, I know it is financial, but uh, I would like to take that quote in, in, in a multitude of ways, you know, um, wealth and poverty in a lot of different circumstances. Uh, basically the two greatest tests of, of a man's character are, um, the way he is when he's up and the way he is when he's down. Um, do you think that that's a fair assessment? I mean, we're talking health and fitness. Yeah. We're talking wherever you're at, uh, the greatest test of your character is both how you behave when you're up and when you're down. Um, right. absolutely. I, I, I like that a lot. Uh, when you started, Oh yeah. Where you started is not, um, where you were when you were a kid, it's the lowest point. That is, that's an interesting, um, that's an interesting quote. I don't really know what to do with it, but I like it. Uh, let's talk a little bit more about handing this stuff to your to your wife. And you said that she's never kind of she's never objected to any of your purchases. Um, do you think that she ever? Do, do you think she does that on principle, or do you think that like like what do you think the dynamic is there? Because a lot of a lot of women would strongly disagree with her. Um, and, sure. and, and and you know. Describe that to me, because when somebody hears that, it, it's not the most intuitive thing as to what you mean by that. So uh, describe that to me. How do you think it's helped? Do you think it's hurt any? Do you think that you probably should have been checked a little bit more? Um, wow, great question. So again, um, and I'm, I'm trying to keep it real. Uh, you know, we've we've had success in, in business and, um, you know, there's been you know, wealth as, as, you know, as part of that. Uh, but about six years ago, we had an investment, um, that, that, uh, wasn't realized, I should say, and it hurt. Uh, it, it really hurt. And, uh, went and, and it was one of those deals where we, we were, you know, throwing, good money after bad for a while before we went, well, you know, we can't do this. Um, but it left us at a point where it was like, shit, we got almost got to start over here again. Um, but we didn't panic. We just, you know, we've been there before and, and we did it. Um, you know, then which is another thing, you know, the, the losses in terms of the total dollar figure or whatever that they might get more, but it's all relative. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I couldn't have, I couldn't have lost a million and a half dollars when I was in my twenties. I didn't have it to lose. And so I didn't even know what that, you know, what it even felt like to have. And so then once I had it and lost it, I went, like, you know, that, that sucks. Right. And you think yeah. about, you know, what, what could I have done differently with that, that money? Um, at the same time, uh, you know, I, I guess, you know, they're, they're, I mean, my wife, I'll give you an, a current example. Uh, in the last few months, I've, I've purchased uh, three ATVs. Okay. 
And it's because my wife, my daughter got into AT, you know, she wanted an ATV and I thought it'd be, I always wanted one when I was a kid. I thought that'd be cool. So I got her one and I was like, well, shit, I need, I need one too. And so then I, I bought one and, uh, and then I was like, well, now I can ride and my, and my daughter can, but now my son needs one. And so I got him one, uh, recently, which my wife took out on the trail and, and flipped, uh, like within hours of getting it. Uh, and, <laughs> uh, the plan was to get her a, a side-by-side, uh, preferably now with a two, two roll cages on. Um, so she, at one point, because like the ATV that I bought for myself, I had shipped from Arkansas and, you know, it's the size of a Jeep for crying out loud. And when it got here, she just kind of was like, um so do you have any plans to buy any other ones like it was it was like not her way of objecting but her way of just saying are you going to give me a heads up on you know if you have any other plans to buy any more um and so that's all it took for me to go okay maybe i should be a little more measured in the next uh purchase right um she she didn't have to say much in order for me to kind of you know yeah. reevaluate that yeah uh that, does that answer that, your question yeah yeah it, it leads me into another one of did you take um did you take that responsibility with a certain i, I don't know if gravitas is the word i think that that word would make me sound cool if i said gravitas but i don't really know what it means um but like with the, with a certain with a certain weight because you know for me i don't get objected to very often as well um now i manage the finances right now Um, because actually I met my wife because she couldn't do math and she needed help with math. So, you know, eventually, hopefully she can manage the finances, but I am not counting on it. We'll have a personal financial manager or something. Um, but that's why she doesn't manage them now. Uh, but I have purchase authority and, uh, you know, my wife doesn't really object to much and I manage the finances. Uh, but for me, that gives me a certain amount of responsibility of when I do sign my name on something or when I do swipe that card. I go, okay, look, she, she's trusting me. She's trusting me to buy this and to, to buy it in good faith and to not completely put our family in financial destitute. Uh, having that free license, did it, did it give any weight to your decisions that maybe um, it, you know, you wouldn't have had if you were being checked at every single stop, you know what I'm saying? Um, possibly. I, I, it, I believe, and my wife and I have kind of talked about this, uh, number one, we live by, we both believe in investing in ourselves. Okay. Um, and, and I mean, like if we decide we're going to go buy a new car, this is when, you know, that felt different, right? Like we financed the car or something back when we would, you know, finance a car or finance something. Um, you know, we, we knew that we were doing that because it was, you know, like we were picking ourselves up. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I've told people before, you know, like, no, I don't think you, you should, you know, be paying more for your car than you are for your house or your rent or whatever. No, definitely not. Um, but at the same time, if you're working a job and you're working full time and you've got to commute and, you know, you're driving a shitty car and you're wondering if it's going to get you where you're supposed to go or you're afraid to park it in front of your friend's house because it's a jalopy or whatever. 
if if you if buying a new car makes you feel like, hey man, I'm I'm working my ass off and this is part of what I get out of it. I got this nice new car. It's got air conditioning. I don't have to worry about the freaking wheels falling off. Then go buy it. <clears throat> now that doesn't maybe sync with what you know some of these financial classes are. In fact, you know they probably uh, don't. But um, it, it's just how how we have uh, lived and. Um, I'm a huge fan of that. I am a huge fan of doing it because it's like, man, this is going to feel good for you. Now you need to be careful that you go, man, I got this brand new freaking, you know, I rock and, uh, and I'm, I'm feeling good about myself. My freaking mullet's blowing in the wind. And, uh, <laughs> this is awesome. Which by the way, I've always wanted like a trans am or I rock or something, but, uh, and, and then you get it and, you know, three days later, three hours later, three months later, you're like, ah, shit, man, I need that lifted truck right there. That's what I need. Be very cautious of that. Um, yep. And, you know, you've got to be able to, uh, you know, check yourself uh, uh, with that for sure. Um, what I, yeah. uh, what comes to mind is there's a difference between investing in yourself and treating yourself. Um, I'm sure you yeah. heard that <laughs> of treat yourself. Uh, there's a difference. Right. Um, yeah. and you know, one, one side of that, cause you know, obviously what you're saying here is, is, uh, the, not really the antithesis. Cause I think there's some similarities, but, uh, you and Dave Ramsey would be fun to watch at a party. You know what I'm saying? Like that, that's, that's, that's what I'm getting here is that you and Dave Ramsey would be fun, but there is another side of this that, um, you know, I haven't dove into it because we're here to talk about marriage and, and personal finances, but sure there is one side of his quote is that he makes a lot of money. <laughs> um, if you're listening to this and you're going, I can't believe he would say, you know, tell people to go invest in themselves or, you know, buy leather seats or whatever. Yeah. But right. he makes a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? Like you right. can't do this if you're right. broke as hell. Uh, and it is right. relative. The things that you buy are relative, you know, yeah. you can't go buy that hundred thousand dollar F two fifty uh, just because it's going to make you feel good. Um, Maybe right. you start with, you know, a Ford Ranger that's used and and uh, has a little bit nicer tires on it than, you know, what you've got right now. So I just right. wanted to kind of clarify that and, and um, add a little bit of nuance to that, too, because I, I do think it's important. Like me, I don't want to drive to work in something shitty, especially if it's a job that that is not what I feel like is fulfilling my purpose. You know, the, the job I'm at now, if I pushed them really, really hard, I could probably get you know, a shitty little beater single cab, uh, with cloth seats that, um, you know, would I have to pay gas on it? No, I wouldn't. Right. Um, but I like my leather and I like my sound system. Uh, and if I'm going to drive to a job that I don't hate my job, I love, I actually really like my job and I like the people I work with, but it's, it's nowhere near what I want to do for a living. Um, you know, if I have to go to that every single day, uh, I want to do it in something that I at least enjoy driving, you know? Right, man. I mean, so listen, you're touching on something that is is quintessential to my wife and I, our financial outlook. And that is, you know, when you invest in yourself like that, it 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 picks you up. Okay. Mm -hmm. On the other on the other hand, if let's say that vehicle like you've got. So uh, right now. I mean, this might surprise you. I'm driving my new truck. My brand new truck is a Chevy Colorado. Okay. I saw, I saw diesel, it on your Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. A diesel Chevy Colorado. That is my daily driver. Now, 
could I have bought a, a, another Ram, you know, uh, 3,500? Absolutely. Um, but I bought that because I'm like, you know, I've got another Ram, at least now my daughter does. That's her, her vehicle. And I'm like, do I really need another full-size truck in this house? No, I kind of like gas, you know, better fuel mileage and all this stuff. Right. Now the, tr the truth is I've already put, you know, 15 grand into that thing with the, you know, deck system and a, and a camper yeah. and I've got wheels and tires coming for it. I've got custom bumpers being made and all this shit sound system key. I like that. You, you like the, you like the little, little funk in the trunk too. So I, I, I but that's like my new thing. And when I drive it, because it gets such good fuel mileage, I feel like I'm being frugal, you know, that I'm, I'm like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I don't give a shit when I go to the, I don't look at the gas prices when I go buy fuel. I haven't yeah. looked at fuel prices in years. I just put the magic money card in and it works. Right. But yeah. now I'm watching my fuel mileage because I'm telling myself, you know, Hey, you were frugal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it and it feels good. Uh, it it feels right. Um, yeah. Now this is funny. I got a funny story for you though. So uh, we have several uh, vehicles here. So my wife, you know, she retired ten years ago when we when we sold the company, and um, she, you know, now she manages the household. You know, the kid, you know, it's it's a lot. You know, the kids go in the school all the time and sports go in this direction, that direction and laundry and all these other things. And, uh, she, you know, um, started doing Turo, uh, uh, year and a half ago. So I was like, this Turo thing's kind of badass. You rent out cars, you know, and, and put them on there and people pay you money for them, whatever. So yeah. I was like, that's a cool business. So we, we bought a few cars just for this Turo business. Okay. And we had gone to Hawaii on a vacation and I, I rented a, a Chevy or Chevy, a Dodge Caravan. And I got in that van, I drove around and like within the first couple hours, I told the kids, I said, I'm buying one of these. And I did when I got home <laughs> and I rent it out all the time. My wife rents it out all the time, but I drive it a lot. And a minivan is a badass thing, by the way, fellas. So I'm at the gas station, uh, I think this last summer. And I'm putting gas in the in the in the minivan. We I call it the money van. Putting gas in the money van, <laughs> and these dudes roll up who I follow on Instagram, and they follow me because they they fly fish. They they do a lot of fly fishing locally, and they're like, "Hey, Clint Walker, you know, whatever." I'm like, "Hey guys, what's up?" You know, and and they kind of come around the pump and they look and see this minivan, and they're like, "Uh," <laughs> and I said, and I'm like, "Oh." you're looking at the minivan or you, you expected something different. And they're like, we kind of expected something way different. And I'm like, guys, my wife rents vehicles on Turo. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and they're kind of, you could tell they were just kind of like, uh, huh. Right. <laughs> and, and the reality is I don't give a shit. I don't care what people think about what I drive or, you know, what, what I don't drive anyway. I mean, I, I like to have a nice car. There's no doubt about it, but yeah. I don't do it for other people. Um, but if those fools knew how much money that thing makes me every month, then then they would be driving minivans too. I guess is the point. Okay, so that's funny. <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's very funny. I've thought about that Turo thing. My 
I don't know. I'm a, uh, I don't know investments. I'm very kind of investment cautious on some things that I don't understand. Um, I need to, I need to look into that Turo thing. Cause I've heard about it. I've heard a lot of people that make some good money off of it. My worry is that it's going to be like Airbnb where eventually it's so hard to, cause you know, they just added cleaning fees and cleaning fees on top of shit that now when you Airbnb it, um, when you go look at an Airbnb, it's like, why would I pay $400 for your shack? You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's one that used right. to be 60 bucks a night. And so I don't know. Uh, that is a good thought though. And, and honestly, I don't know uh, if I would make any cash at all, but when we get my wife a new vehicle, uh, if Turo is still a thing and it's still pumping, um, I may flip that little clown car Kia soul into a Turo. I don't know what the requirements yeah. are for it, but um, I may flip that thing into a Turo and, and call it good. But yeah, I would, um, I would look into it for sure. And I, I'll tell you the, the thing about it is guys, if you get, if you get into some trouble, like you have more options now than I had uh, when I, when we had our financial woes, right. There was yeah. no such thing as Airbnb. I could have Airbnb my house to save my house. Yeah. Right. Um, that wasn't a thing back then. Um, I could have air, I could have turned cars to save cars. Right. Cause I guarantee yeah. you every single car that I have out there, uh, makes a you know is, is a positive cash flow. I mean, even if you're making a payment on a, you know, we have like a key a Kia Sportage or a Dodge you know Caravan. I mean, a, a payment can't be that much on it, a couple hundred bucks a month. You're making way more than that on Turo. So if you need to do those things to to keep that car, you know, your the wheels come off the wagon, then do it. By the way, you'll probably make make a positive cash flow with it, and and you'll be like, hmm, this isn't a bad deal. So. Think about that. Well, Clint, I think we have uh, we have hit a lot of the bases. This is uh, really good. I have a full. I hope you can see my my note sheet full of uh, (laughs) full of notes uh, and cuss words on it because I like those. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, man, you know, I think uh, give us give us maybe some like a a final thoughts or a final statement. Um, Maybe you can just leave it at the at the quote: "The two greatest greatest tests." Give us what uh, what you want people to remember most about finances in a marriage. Mm. All right, listen, uh, they say, it is said that finances, in-laws, and uh, and moving are the three most stressful things that you'll deal with uh, within, within your marriage. And for a lot of guys, you know, they'll do, all three of those are going to come into play all at the same time, because a lot of times when you get married, you move in together. Um, and then you start dealing with in-laws. Uh, so, you know, and, and it creates a financial strain as well because of the cost of the move, the cost of the wedding. Recognize these things up, up front. Talk about them ahead of time. Talk to each other ahead of time. Hey, I know things are great right now, but what if this happens? Are we still going to be good? Are we going to point fingers at each other? Are we going to say this is your fault and you should have done this? Should have done that? I can tell you right now, man. If my wife at any point had told me what, what were you thinking when you went and you invested in this and now we're broke and what were you thinking when we, we, we did this deal or you bought this thing or whatever, start pointing fingers. We wouldn't be together. Okay. I am programmed a certain way that if I go out and say, look, I'm buying this new truck or this new thing, I'm going to go make, make the kind of money that can pay for that thing five times over. Right. On the, on the other hand, 
if uh, you know the wheels have come off the wagon financially, and my wife starts turning around and pointing the finger at me and saying, "What'd you do? What'd you do?" It's going to be crushing. Okay, and when you're when you hit that obstacle, when you hit that hurdle, you need all the energy and all the positive energy and all the trust and all of the the goodness that comes from a relationship to get out of it. Mm-hmm. And if you if you start taking stabs at each other and saying you did this and you bought that and you did this and you did that, all you're doing is burying each other. You're burying each other. Now you're buried under a mountain of debt and a mountain of of accusations. And that's that's the absolute worst thing that you could possibly do. So when you're getting involved in a in a new relationship. And not, I'm not talking about your first date. Okay. Don't, don't do this to your, your Tinder uh, date. Okay. <laughs> but after you've gone, you know, you're, you're, you're serious. This might be the one have those conversations. Talk about how you might handle things when they happen. And uh, you know what, if, if um, she doesn't stick to it or he doesn't stick to it, then, then uh, you know, point out to them that they're just a fucking liar. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, that, that's, that's what I'm saying. Communication is key and understanding that, you know, finances a lot of times are, you know, they're full of mistakes on the, yeah. you know, sometimes they're good mistakes and sometimes they're bad. Uh, but, you know, we got to be able to lift each other up. Awesome. Clint. No, I think those are, those are wise words. Uh, look forward. Not, don't look back um look back to see you know uh make sure that uh <laughs> no, never mind I'm, I'm gonna leave that there uh, but uh look look forward focus focus on what are we gonna do tomorrow to fix this uh not who who bought the the wrong starbucks copy i like that clint uh that's a, that's a really good final thought clint as always thank you for being here thank you for coming on and uh believing in our small little purpose podcast and uh and and giving us your time to to talk about these things i really think it's important um you know one thing that i I know you're helping some people at least because you're helping me um i'm not you know in just the best of financial circumstances and a lot of it's my own doing um kind of like you very not quite to the level of what you said that you got yourself into uh in 99 but um i'm just not that great with uh with managing money and i'm not that great at saving it either and so uh, I know you're helping at least one person and I know you're helping at least a few more because I know them. Um, I know people are going to listen to this and I know people are going to um, take away from it some positive things. And hopefully we can grow this thing to uh, to make it to where we're helping out a lot of people. And I appreciate your uh, your trust and uh, giving me time to uh, to make that happen. So, Clint, thank you. Thank you. Um, yep. Pops, can Every- I throw one more thing out there for for your uh, people listening at home? Go ahead. Listen, it, this is a fledgling uh, podcast. This are, these are the humble beginnings that uh, we look back on uh, with this particular show. And um, if, if you found something in here enlightening, enriching your life somehow, like it's good advice, you go, Man, that's actually pretty good. If you enjoyed it to some level, share it. Okay. If you got something out of this podcast, share it especially with regards to finances, man, because so many people are out there struggling and it happens to be one of those things that even sometimes your closest friends and relatives are struggling with, but nobody talks about. Okay. Share it. Um, it does a solid for, uh, for the podcast and it could be doing a solid for your friend as well. Awesome. Thank you very much, Clint. Like I said, it's always good to, 
good to hear that and good to know that you, you yeah. have that faith in what i'm doing here so um yeah share it guys please uh, go follow me on instagram uh if you want good guests on you know what good guests look at as far as if it's worth their time to come on to my podcast they look at the follower count <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and, and, uh when it's in the hundreds actually we've gotten a lot of good guests so the guests that have been on like yourself clint walker uh that haven't cared about that um a lot of good guests don't care but also uh you know share my instagram account and go follow it i know there's a lot of you guys on here that don't even follow it so um go follow it go share it like clint said i really appreciate it. it it means a lot to me and it is just so that we can get um voices like clint's out to out to people that that need to hear it like myself and and like others so clint i appreciate it uh until next time everybody tune in to the uh regular session of the purpose podcast and also one flesh hopefully i get a new intro by the next time you're here thanks guys mm <laughs>